By now, you've probably heard all about cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin. You might even already be investing in them. But did you know that you could invest in cryptocurrencies through your retirement account? That's right. With iTrust Capital, you can buy and sell cryptocurrencies from a crypto IRA and get all the same tax advantages as a traditional IRA. iTrust Capital allows you to invest in over two dozen of the most popular cryptocurrencies. And unlike the stock market, you can buy and sell 24 hours a day. The iTrust Capital platform is easy. Easy to use and only takes a few minutes to create your account. Setting up an IRA is free and iTrust fees are low. It's time to start taking control of your financial future. With iTrust Capital, you can get all the tax benefits of a retirement account while investing in crypto. Visit iTrustCapital.com to start investing today. That's iTrustCapital.com. Taxes and conditions may apply. Fees apply. Cryptocurrencies are a speculative investment with risk of loss. iTrust Capital Inc. does not provide legal investment or tax advice. Consult with a qualified legal investment or tax professional. Fans, welcome to Bulls HQ, a Chicago Bulls podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the show, and what an episode we have for you today on Bulls HQ. The headquarters itself is beaming right now as this great, giant building made of the finest and purest steel known to man continues to stand tall in its scale over 1,000 meters in height. And as the sole owner of this building, here I am perched upon the top floor looking out to the horizon and all I can see is the future and Bulls fans let me tell you all I see is the red leviathan emergeth if that completely absurd introduction hasn't given you a clue as to who is joining me today on this show then perhaps this will on the show today are the hosts of the big red bus podcast the esteemed podfather himself Doug Tonus and the bumbling buffoon many of of us know as C Red Fred boys how are you this, this is the best be introduction here. ever. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It's great to be here, two legends, and Mark. It's always enjoyable <laughs> to talk to you. Uh, thanks for having us on. I got to start this out. Mark, I was very irritated. Uh, you know, I was on a vacation in Florida, and obviously a lot of Bulls news came through. So mm-hmm. I decided to, uh, after I listened to seven or eight podcasts, I started, decided to turn on Bulls <laughs> HQ. <Yeah. laughs> and it's great. Uh, great to hear you. But I got to tell you, I'm really getting bored and irritated with the uh, audio fishing for likes uh, from you and your <laughs> distinguished or uh, extinguished guest that was on. I was enjoying my vacation, walking down the streets, a siesta key, and I, and I put put the put the headphone in, and within two minutes, um, Mr. Fishing for Likes said something to the right into the mob mentality script. Gar packs never moved a player at the top of their value scale. Was like the first comment. <laughs> Took a deep breath. You know, it's like, uh, and you just nodded, you know, you just nodded and agreed with this mildly coherent point. And I, w- I was just screaming, who's the best player in the Bulls, Mark? Mark, who's the best player in the Bulls right now? Let me ask you that question. Uh, Denzel Valentine, is that, is that the answer? <laughs> no, it's not. Zach oh, okay. Levine. Zach Levine was acquired for Jimmy Butler, who subsequently has been traded twice. Does Mr. Fishing for Likes want to argue that the T-Wolves or the Sixers took in the greater haul for Jimmy Butler? Is that his point? Jimmy Butler was traded at the height of his value. 
uh, with the Chicago Bulls. Again, from the mouth of two guys, you and Mr. Fishing for Likes, who demanded that that trade was moronic, I stand by that trade, and I want to know, was Jimmy, was Jimmy Butler traded by the Bulls at the height of his value? Yes or no? No. But um, God. He, <laughs> he definitely wasn't. He definitely wasn't. I mean, they, they had floated the idea of, tra- of trading him earlier on. And um, because they were making it very clear to the league that they were planning on moving from Jimmy Butler, and uh, those signals were quite clear for 12 months in advance, then no, they didn't trade him at his peak. He had but, MVP uh, votes when they traded him. What are you talking about? He had his best year when they traded him. What, what are you talking about? Why the hell are we talking about this now? I, I brought because you I'm on with this. Because I'm irritated with this karma. It's not po- It's Doug, uh, first of all, we we're all high-fiving each other about what the Bulls did. We should all be ecstatic. 65 to 75% of the tweets I read were about Garpax. Why? Why? I just gave you a, a beautiful intro about how, you know, this this headquarters Bulls HQ is beaming. All I can see is the red leviathan emergeth and, and you decide to take this towards Garpax. I mean, Jesus. We're all complaining. We're all complaining about people. I just want to say. Garpax. You yeah, brought up what, Garpax. What, what a guy. The whole time talking about negative stuff while complaining about people complaining. <laughs> what are we, what are I just want to say, Garpax, it's not good for the karma. It's not good for the karma, all right? Just like Duke Total Paolo and Rocky II. Let it go. Let it go. Do, do you know what else isn't good for the karma? Do you know what else isn't good for the karma? Constantly making predictions about how the Bulls are going to be winning titles in 2021, 2022, 2023, etc. And then always coming back to bite us in the ass. And after all these free agent signings that the Bulls made, there you were again making these predictions that the Bulls were going to be a title a title contender this season and then a title winner in 2023. So um, in terms of karma, Frederick... I told Alex Caruso you're going to win a title next year because there's oh seven God. letters in DeRozan. Let's get on the better topics. I'm sorry to hijack this uh, beautiful yeah. fixture. Well, I mean, speaking of the Jimmy Butler trade, maybe we can segue out of that and in, into maybe something that's somewhat related to the Jimmy Butler trade. The fact that uh, a key piece to that trade, Larry Markkinen, is seemingly on uh, on the out here in Chicago. I expected him to be gone. I expected it to be resolved by this point. Here we are essentially 10 days after free agency has commenced and we still have no idea where Larry Markin is headed. So uh, maybe I'll start with you this time, Doug, and let you get a chance to actually speak rather than, uh, like I said, that bumbling buffoon is going absolutely uh, AWOL on the podcast to start. But what do you think about um, where things currently sit with Larry? How do you think it's going to play out? What are his options and, and all that sort of stuff? How do, you, how do you foresee it all playing out? I mean, I think we probably generally understand the options are he'll either be back on the qualifying offer or he'll be signed and traded somewhere. Like those are the two choices at this point. Mm-hmm. It seems like you've kind of got a lot of things to work out complication wise. The The rumor is the Bulls don't want to take back salary and they want a first round draft pick. Personally, I think they'll bend on taking back salary. They're they're far enough below the luxury tax that taking back salary won't hurt them. And they, they also can't uh, fill up that salary with something else anyway. So it's really just an expense, and it's it's probably worth it to pay that expense if you could get a first-round draft pick of any type. So I don't know that that'll be an ultimate barrier, but you know, just trying to find a team that has only expiring deals that they are willing to send and has a first-round draft pick that's going to be late enough that they're willing to send it for Lowry, which you know takes away some of the teams like the Timberwolves maybe who want him, but they're not going to have a first that's adequate to send. You know, a team like the Mavericks, maybe they'd be a little bit more willing to do so, but their picks are all tied up because of the Porzingis trade still. 
And, you know, you look at a team like maybe the Celtics, maybe they have a pick they would be willing to send. Maybe the Pelicans, because they have picks from the Bucks and the mm. Lakers, they would maybe yeah. send one of those picks because they'll be, you know, pretty bad. And maybe one of those types of things works out. You know, at the same time, they a team has to meet Lowry's salary demands. And, you know, it's just going to be a little complicated. I think eventually a, a sign-and-trade gets completed of some type. I don't think he'll be back on the qualifying offer. But it could drag out for a while just waiting for one party to bend. And probably there's, like, really nothing that's a deadline for anyone involved. And the only one who really is suffering, and this is Lowry, right? Like, if the Celtics and the Bulls are in a stalemate over compensation, like, there's really not a lot of pressure for either of those teams to change their mind anytime soon, right? Like, they can just wait. Like, they're not giving up anything by waiting. So the only thing that's there is Lowry just hanging in the wind, hoping that someone budges somewhere. Yeah, I guess the only uh, alternatives, maybe if like the OKC Thunder just decide to clear some cap space and outright sign him, then you know maybe that becomes a, a situation that maybe changes the landscape. Obviously, the Bulls would have matching rights at that point potentially or have the ability to given he's a restricted free agent, but I don't see that happening anyway. Um, so you're, to your point, like it is still up in the air. There's a lot to, to play out and Unfortunately for Lowry, he has zero leverage in this situation, it seems. And I guess the uh, the, the main takeaway for, that I have from all this is he's very lucky that Dennis Schroeder exists and the fact that he turned down that $84 million deal is um, maybe taking some of the shine away from Lowry's decision here and maybe not to not to take up the extension. So, Frederick, over to you now. In terms of Lowry, like, do you think he's going to regret the decision he made prior to last season where he turned down an extension that maybe would have paid him somewhere in the vicinity of, say, $14, $15 million over a number of years to stay with Chicago, where he's now looking at it a reality when he he obviously wants more than that, but it doesn't seem likely that he's going to get more than that. So do you think he's ultimately going to re- regret the decision he made, you know, 10 months ago? Well, probably now, but that decision last year was likely a good one. Berton signed for $15 million. He set the market. I don't think I think Larry Markin is a better player than Berton. So he, every indication was the Bulls, uh, not the Bulls, but a team out there would have likely given Larry Markin in $15 million or more a year. I don't think it's true that the Bulls offered $15 million. I, I In all my sources, were, which aren't many, but for the few people I have talked to, <laughs> I heard it was more in the 12 to $13 million range. And, and I would have, as Laurie, I don't think it was like an insane decision to said I could have I got better. This is the, one of the few things I'm a little confused about. Like, I, overall, I love every move these guys did, Acme did in this offseason. I love the uh, draft in Iowa. I loved getting... DeRozan, I loved you know getting Lonzo Ball at the money they, they got him for. This is the one that they're receiving a ton of praise for. And I'm kind of like bewildered. Why? Like, hello, everybody. I think we need a front court player. Why? How has the relationship with Laurie Markkinen gone so sour that he's, you know, off? It, he's not a bad player. Like, people are acting like this guy sucks. He doesn't suck. He's a good player. Shot 40% from three at the power forward position last year. There's value in that. Teams want him on their team. Like somebody's going to give him 10 to $15 million likely before this is all said and done. And he's not a bad player. So I I'm a little bit more kind of disappointed that it got to this point. I understand why Laurie's mad and I understand why some fans are frustrated with him, but he's taken to me to me. He's taken far too many unfair slings. I was a member of Laurie's army for two years. I defected last year. Um, and I, I no longer believe with it, believe in him, and he's not a fit on the team with Vucevic there unless he's willing to come off the bench. But big picture, 
I, I don't think we're going to get a number one pick for him. And I don't think they've handled this, you know, particularly well, but I guess we'll have to wait and see what they're able to garner any sign and trade. If that, if it comes to that. Well, look, I mean, it, most of it is his own doing. I mean, if he has demands of a contract, you know, somewhere paying him, you know, in the vicinity of 18 to $20 million, then he's put himself into this situation. I mean, that that's just the truth of it. So, it's ultimately on him. Like, I don't think the Bulls have done anything wrong by him. Like, this is restricted free agency can be cruel sometimes, but I mean, that's restricted free agency. But you have to go into that situation with uh, some semblance of uh, of an understanding of actually what the market values you at. And if you're asking for twenty million, maybe even more, and people are coming back to you and saying, "Well, I don't have cap space. I've got here. I've got a trade player exception here for maybe eleven million dollars, or I can take you into this TPE over here for maybe." you know, $14, 15000000 million, but you're holding out for more, and then, I don't know, it, it is his fault. So I, I don't... Well, hold I don't, on, Mark. Why, why should Bertans, we care? Do you think he's a better player than Bertans? I mean, maybe. Oh, come on. Well, I mean, he's not as good as shooter. He's a better player than Bertans. He's a better player. I think last year he was. I have to go see what Bertans shot, but... It's irrelevant, though. I mean, this, this it market... It is very is, relevant. It's not, because this free agency market's different to the last one. So, I mean, where whereby Bertans maybe could have got $15 million last season, and maybe if Lowry was a free agent last season, he could have got more than that. That's not the case this season, so it, it is irrelevant. Yeah, yes, maybe, is maybe the, the one thing I'd add to that is, like, it, it's no point. This is, like, it's like arguing whose fault it is in a divorce. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. Like, these, these sides, once you reach this point, where he was a restrictive free agent, you pretty much knew going into this offseason the Bulls weren't going to keep him, right? Like, we all knew that. Yeah. Not one of us thought he was going to stay here. And so you knew when he leaves, restrictive free agents very rarely give you anything back in terms of value. Like, it's not common that you get something back for a restrictive free agent when they leave. And and so our expectations should be he's just going to walk to some team who pays him and we're not going to match. Like, And he couldn't find the team. And, and you know what it is? If he was just in this, like, middle-class of free agents he wasn't anyone's on list and in that class every year there's a few guys who lose out and those guys are often guys who turn down extensions because they were gambling on themselves and you know of all the guys that gamble on themselves probably most of the time it works out for them you know like john collins probably worked out for him but there's always some guys who don't you know you look at like bobby portis who who noted once that he regretted not taking the bulls extension when they offered it and gave up a ton of money, and even now he's not getting a ton of money. And you mentioned Bertans. I'd throw Portis out there as a guy who's like pretty similar in value to Lowry. What did he get this year? It was like $5 million or something. I don't know what the Bucks paid him, but it wasn't that much. You know, So it's just like the market for these middle-class guys, it's like you either end up like in this $20 million range like Lonzo Ball does, or you end up in this like $5 million range a lot of times. Like there, it, it becomes like everyone gets money, and then there's no money left, and then now you're stuck in this very – you know, tight situation. And that's what happened with Lowry. He was one of yeah, the guys but- with Dennis Druder who just got caught holding the bag. And there's a couple guys like that every year. And it's just an eye of the beholder thing. Like you said, next year, he might get a lot of money next year. There might be more money available, but this year he was the guy caught holding the bag and that's the chance and the risk you take. And you know, that's, that's was but Lowry's second, decision. Doug, all great points. Is that with the, with your basic assertion that last off season, the bulls had already made a decision that he was out of the picture. That's factually incorrect. They were actually negotiating, trying to sign Larry Market into a multi-year deal. It wasn't no, no, that no. much I'm saying, different. I'm saying going into this offseason, you knew he was on oh, the Oh, yes, picture. going into this offseason. I understand. Yeah, you knew, you knew after the trade deadline and after they benched him and after they got you know, yeah, whatever. Like they, you, knew, you knew they did not want him going forward. And so did the rest of the league. There's no threat. Anyone thought we were going to match a decent offer on him. 
people knew there was no way that was going to happen. I don't even think the restricted tag hurt him that much for that reason. It was so obvious we didn't want him. So, you know, it's just like I said, just some guys it doesn't work out with. There's there's like probably a dozen guys out there who could have gotten paid and then just the, the timing didn't work out for them. And then they never got paid. And Lowry might end up being one of those guys who just never gets the the big deal. Uh, but, you know, whatever. I'm going to cry the, the world's smallest or play the world's smallest violin for the guy. What's he's now going to get five million <laughs> a year for the next 10 years? Like, whatever. Like, oh, poor guy. He only gets, you know, career earnings of like 70 million instead of like 180 million. Oh, no. Like what a what an awful life he must live, you know. Like, <laughs> Agree, okay. but you can't help but feel a little bit disappointed for like a Dennis Schroeder. Who, no, I mean not disappointed. He got. I can't. I don't feel. Twice. I don't feel anything for Dennis Schroeder or any of these <laughs> well, guys. Like, know. like yeah. look, if you if you make the gamble, I've said this a million times. The first time I'm up for my extension and someone throws like fifty million dollars at me, I'm signing. Like it doesn't matter that maybe I could get seventy million next year. Like fifty million is guaranteed generational wealth. And like my downside is zero, right? Like, so the upside of getting an extra 20 is, is, is like so small relative to the downside of losing 50. And these agents have just convinced these guys that like, yeah, that's not true. They just only look at it like, well, you should pay me as if the upside is going to happen. And, you know, for some guys that, that is the case, but then a lot of guys like they lose out big, like Jimmy Butler won big by waiting and betting on himself. But a lot of guys, like some other guys, lose big. And the amount you actually win big is like very little in terms of changing your life compared to the guys who lose big. So, you know, I, I think these guys like make bad decisions. Like they don't understand risk reward at all. And so when some dude like Schroeder loses $80 million, I don't feel at all bad about it. Like this well, is I, just I, you I do being in this stupid. Respect, he, was, he was provided with bad advice from his agent. And th- these guys, you know, are being told you're, you're, you're great. You're great. And I think we can all agree. Dennis Schroeder is a pretty good point guard, like probably worth more than 6 million on a one-year deal. I, I think, can we at least admit that? I mean, he, he ended up with signing this deal, but uh, I think, you know, it's provided he has a similar year to how he played in regular season last year. He's probably going to get more than that after his season's over. Who knows? He was given bad advice by his. <laughs> he makes that decision. Dude, yeah. no one comes up to me and like has like $80 million on the line. And then I decide what I'm going to do, and then I blame someone else for giving me bad advice. Yeah. If, I, they, so if, I, if someone offers me $80 million, dollars, believe me, it's I'll, I'll figure it out. Well, we're, we're making the assumption here that uh, the, the agent is coercing them to hit the market. Like, if Lowry is out here saying, I want $20 million, I want to be a starter, and, like, that's his demands that he's placing on his agent, who then is doing the rounds trying to find that for Lowry, and at this point is I mean, unsuccessful in finding that situation, then I don't know why we're assuming the player is always uh, the one that's, you know, not a fault, let's say, or the one that has been led down the wrong Dang, path. Oh, you deserve this. You deserve that. A lot of these agents have a lot of self-interest, and the more money that their player gets, the more money they make. That's at, exactly at, how it the works. The amount they make on these contracts is so small. But, you know, the thing He's is talking actually, about it. It's a percentage. It's, it's like 3%. Percentage of million. Yeah. Well, 3% of $100 million is a lot better than 3% of 5.8. I you know, can yes, guarantee his agent but no, that's, that's the thing is that. 3%. So say, say, Fred, you're getting commission. You're getting 3%. You have a chance to get mm-hmm. 3% on $80 million, Or you can wait a year. And you now might get three percent of five million or three percent of a hundred million. What would you do? You take three percent of eighty and not even think twice. Correct. Like, the, the, the thing with the, <laughs> the thing with all of this is is that the agents also have turned it into a game of like, if you don't get the absolute best deal for your clients, the agents then hold it against the other agents, right? So say, say like Dennis Schroeder blows up after he signs an eighty million dollar deal, the next year he'd be worth one hundred and twenty. 
then some other agent is going to go, see how your agent screwed you? You could add $120 million. And that, that's why the agents end up having to do this. I actually worked with an agent for a while, and I, and, and I was working on his branding with him. And that's, that's what he said, like, the big problem is. He's like, he's like, even if you want to advise guys to take reasonable things, you know, it's like if they outperform that deal, it's so negative. It's like a death blow to your agency because you, you didn't, you know, like, get them the most they could have gotten later. And, and so in the end, people need to look at this from a different, different viewpoint. Like they, they need to, to make better understand and decisions, but that comes down to the players as a collective understanding that, you know, like, and, and making good decisions. Like in the end, the agents can give you advice or they can do whatever, but you still make your own decisions. Yeah. I, I like how we got like you and I, Doug are of the same opinion. And then Fred was initially disagreeing. And then all of a sudden <laughs> we got to the point where he was like, yeah, all right, correct. And he's, <laughs> and he agreed anyway. So that was a waste of time. Uh, well, you're it's never a I waste of time. If we get Fred answering true. I'm answering. In, well, you asked me a completely different question. I, of course I would have taken 80 million. Jeff Austin and Alex Herreris uh, from sports, uh, I don't know what, what the agency is called, but Jeff Austin and Alex better be uh, looking for new employment. I, I can't imagine he's going he's to keep those two guys on. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens with the Larry situation. Um, I'm, I'm hopeful that it gets resolved soon. That way, you know, we have it's some sort of idea. It all works out, right? I mean, possibly. Maybe to not, not exactly what he wants, but he's made it pretty clear through Finnish media that he doesn't want to be back in Chicago. So, uh yeah, I mean, maybe he gets a starting role somewhere, but maybe it comes at $11 million or something like that. He's not going to get everything he wants. The only thing is, I understand Larry's point. Like, I wouldn't want to be back here either. You know, like, they, they acquired Vucevic and he got benched going into a contract year. Yeah, we, we don't I want him. I think he was playing that bad. Like, we don't yeah, want that, him, That's right? my point. I mean, yeah, yeah, we, we don't want him. He doesn't want to be here. There's no, like... I don't think anyone is like even even when he said he wanted a fresh start, it wasn't like he was like, "Damn the Bulls organization, I hate these jerks." Like you know, it just he wants a fresh start. That's reasonable. I, Everyone is acting reasonable. Start, but, the Bulls but are acting just, reasonable. My, my bigger point is, I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised if Rory Markkinen at the age of twenty three ends up as another player in the long line of Bulls who found success elsewhere. Whether it's Doug McDermott, whether it's campaign. Well, it's Tony Snell, and the list goes on and on. Denzel Valentine, that, I'm sure. And that's fine. Most of those guys, like, their success is iterative and expected based on their years of growth. And the same will be true of Lowry. Like, he should be better in four years than he is now. Yeah, and, and look, he'll probably end up in a situation where he's better suited, where he's playing a, a, uh, a smaller role, let's say. He's in a role that makes more sense to what his talent is rather than being – you know, a potential cornerstone here in Chicago. So if you want to loop it all back to Garpax, Frederick, then maybe they are the reason that so many of these guys didn't really eventuate here because they weren't supported adequately enough. So how about that, Frederick? I, I don't want to loop it back to them. Let's move on <laughs> to the next topic. Did we spend 30 minutes talking about Lowry? Like we got like I can't believe it. 22, actually. 22. Not, not quite 30, but two, let's move on. Let's move what on. What a waste because- of time. Yeah. <laughs> agreed agreed let's move on then i want to talk about the tampering situation which is again another topic that's sort of looming in the background we've got the lowry situation uh the tampering sort of conversation i haven't necessarily discussed on the podcast yet lonzo ball is officially a ball so is alex caruso so is demand Derozan. so there's no issues about these players not ending up in chicago however we still don't know what ultimately is going to come of this tampering investigation, whether the Bulls are going to be fined X amount of dollars, whether, you know, Arturis Konnachovas is going to be suspended for, you know, three, six months, whatever it might be, or if there's draft picks involved. So 
Uh, a quick roundtable here as to what are your assumptions as to what's going to happen? Do you think the Bulls can be found to be liable in this sense, Doug? Do you, do you think that's possible here? I think they'll almost certainly be found liable. I think when the NBA investigates this type of thing, it's kind of like when the federal government comes after you, the conviction rate is probably 98%. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I think they'll definitely be found liable. It's just really a matter of how bad it'll be. And the more I've looked into it, the worse I think it'll be. So my my expectation at this point is actually that the Bulls are probably going to lose uh, something in, in, in the realm of uh, millions of dollars and probably a second round pick uh, in the grand scheme of things. I don't know how much we care about that because it's not our money. Yeah. Uh, it probably won't impact us too much, but I think that's probably what we're looking at. What, what are your thoughts, Frederick? Uh, I think it's very disappointing. You know, I made this point earlier on Twitter that in 2015, when the Bulls, <laughs> uh, when uh, uh, the David Blatt asked for a timeout in game four and it was uh, ignored by the official, where was he? Completely related. Completely related. <laughs> it's basketball and it is relevant. It's, it's the integrity. It's the integrity of the game. Like, that's what all this is about. That's what these rules are for. We want to make a fair, comp- comp- competitive league. And where was the investigation of that idiot official that cost us potentially our seventh title? It never, it never came to pass. But somebody from the Knicks organization isn't happy because Lonzo doesn't even bother to take an interview with him. And they call their buddies over at the NBA. And lo, lo and behold, we got... Boy, you're assuming the Knicks are at fault here, I'm are you? I'm certain it is. I'm certain it is. <laughs> you know it is. Tibbs and, and his oh, buddy yeah. all angry because uh, Lonzo didn't want to take his call. So, yeah, I'm pretty PO'd about it. I, I, I'm very angry about it, and I don't, don't think it's fair. I think it's stupid rule. It's a waste of time. And now if it ends up cause, costing us the number one pick, which I'm concerned that it may, yeah, I'm going to be PO'd. I'm going to be angry. It's really going to hurt the beloved because we've given away a couple in case you haven't noticed. The last thing we need to do is turn over a number one pick. If it's millions of dollars and a second-round pick, I don't care. We'll be fine. But if it's a number one pick, especially this year, I'm going to be a little PO'd. What say you? Well, why won't you care if it's a second-round pick? They just brought the through Io with a second-round pick. But you, you've been banging on about how good Io is going to be, how he's worth the first-round pick, and the fact that they got him with a second-round pick, how, how how jubilant we should be all about that. So, I mean, when you say those sorts of things, doesn't it infer that second-round picks do matter? Second-round picks do matter like once every 100 years if you came across <laughs> it with Io. <laughs> Jokic, yeah, Io. Uh, that's Sharif Cooper. <laughs> I don't even want to go down that uh, manhole. Please. That's the last thing I want to do. Short arms, Cooper. Last thing I want to talk about is him. Congrats on that game-winning three from the corner. Yeah, he looked good. He looked good. 21 points, nine assists. Pretty good game there for Sharif. But uh, all right, look, look, let's move on. We'll see what happens with the tampering situation. Hopefully not much, but uh, <laughs> I think Doug's probably more uh, more in line with it. Well, I mean, Doug actually gave me an answer, whereas you just bumbled on about some random nonsense to be fair Frederick so um, let's move on to I mean we touched on it there uh Sharif Cooper I mentioned Ayo there let's move on to summer league because that's the basketball that is happening right now the Bulls are playing in summer league they've played their two games uh one win one loss I believe and uh you know I'm very interested to see how this continues to transpire whether they make their their way through the other finals here and maybe whether we can um secure title eight Frederick if you if you count uh, summer league championships. I'm assuming you do, given Denzel was on the last summer league championship team. So, I don't, what what have your thoughts been about summer league? You know, we've got a glimpse at uh, Patrick Williams in year two. We've seen Marco Samonovic. Uh, we've always seen Io as well. 
uh, Devon Dotson as well. Like, what, what have you? What have your thoughts been about summer league thus far? Um, well, let's start with Devin Dotson. I just don't understand the continued infatuation with Devin Dotson. He's a nice kid, uh, really, you know, solid player. He's got a lot of nice skills. But as I uh, just had a uh, call with a Kansas uh, friend of mine who's a rabid Kansas fan who knows everything about Kansas basketball, he told me, you know, great kid, but he can't shoot and he's too small. And then when you get down to it, that's what the Devin Dotson experience is. He can't shoot. Shot 17% last year or something like that. He was one of seven from three. It was not a lot of attempts. He played 50 minutes last year. I think <laughs> we can uh, call that a small well, there's a reason why. I mean, what, I, I, I just laugh all the time at this Devin Dotson. We got to get Devin Dotson. Devin Dotson's not going to – he's too small. And any pick and roll, he's immediately obliterated, and he's a, he's, a, he's a problem on the defensive end. You need to be extra special if you're going to be that small in some aspect of the game. And he's not – He's not. He's a nice kid. But let's stop talking about Devin Dotson like it matters. Io is going to take all his minutes, and he should be off the roster. Io is going to be the the point guard, the defensive fixture, uh, player in the rotation. We should be celebrating him. And let's stop talking about Devin Dotson. Io looked great in game two, third quarter. All those defensive plays. That's exactly what I saw. You could tell with his six seven wingspan and his size. He's going to be a fantastic player for the beloved Bull. I think he's going to be in rotation. And I'm excited about Patrick Williams. I don't know how you can't be after seeing that uh, excellent performance in the second half and in the first half of the first game. So, you know, my to me, I have a very low bar for Patrick this year. I don't even care what he does offensively. I just need him to make significant process uh, progress on the defensive end, and I'll be happy. What say you, Doug? I don't know. I, I, I got I got completely lost in your ramblings. Those were ramblings. Those were deep thoughts. How dare you? <laughs> deep thoughts exactly <laughs> with Jack Handy. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I look at I look at Devin Dotson, and I, I don't. I also don't really see what's particularly exciting about him. But what what does make me a little concerned, maybe about everyone else, is that when I watch Devin Dotson like just blowing by people, and and looking kind of exciting in summer league, and then I look at some of the other guys like not being successful, I'm like, well, you know, Devin Dotson looks like he's twice as fast as Io out there. Like that That's doesn't that doesn't spell great things for Io to me. Like his ability to get by Doug, people. Did you see like the third the quarter of the second game? Third quarter of yeah. the second game, some of the defensive plays he made. Yeah, it made great defensive plays, but like getting Special. past people on offense. Yeah. I yeah. mean, like maybe Special. maybe maybe Io will be okay. I'm glad he's special at defending G League players. Um, hopefully, let's get yeah, them like both that. on a 50 yard dash. I guarantee I was going to win. Um, yeah, I don't so, know that that really matters a whole lot. <laughs> um, to be honest with you, like I don't. Well, you're don't pissing me off a, with this IO. Uh, it's two summer league games. My gosh, yeah, do we have to I go don't, back look, to 2017 look, look, I don't, and talk about Dennis Smith Jr. and all of his great uh, antics? Where no, no, no. no. I'm not. I'm not not burying anyone due to summer league. Uh, <laughs> nor am I like excited about Devin Dotson uh, due to summer league either. It's just it's just interesting when I watch them. Like Devin Dotson looks like he's in another gear compared to the other Bulls summer league players, and I don't think Devin Dotson's really any good. So it makes me like, if anything, it makes me feel like, huh, wow, these other guys are like even a gear slower than this guy. I don't think is is that good. But then you know maybe it's just Dotson's other problems. Uh, the one thing uh, seeing uh, Simonovic play, I, I think like watching him has uh, been a little interesting to me. He just looks like smaller than I expected him to look. It looks kind of like he's more of a Skinnier. four than a five. Um, you know, clearly needs to fill out. Uh, he he looks like he's very far away to me from being able to contribute at the NBA level. And 
you know, hopefully he'll get there, whatever young, young, young kid has time to grow, learn, whatever, but uh, does not look like someone who's going to be able to make an immediate impact. And the fact that he looks more power forward than center sized to me and, and, and looks like he's just going to be an absolute wreck defensively. Uh, I don't expect really anything at all out of him this year. And, you know, we'll see what happens, you know, as, as time goes on. But that was maybe the one thing that stood out to me. You know, Pat Williams was really aggressively, sometimes very aggressively bad, uh, sometimes aggressively very good. Uh, and and Io had that, that tremendous uh, uh, defensive uh, stretch in the second half of the second game. Yeah, so so some good things to take away. But yeah, it, like you like you noted, Fred, like summer league, Dennis Smith Jr. can be MVP. You know, like who, you know, who who really takes too much from anything you see here. Yeah, I mean that's fair. Uh, I, I I agree with you on Io, Doug. Like, I mean. Very concerned about how he's going to operate in the half court. It doesn't look like he has much shake off the bounce there. I mean, his ball handling was a question coming in. The jumper, I'm not convinced about. His best traits make sense in transition, and that's why he looked so good when he was making those defensive plays and sort of starting the break off after those defensive plays. I thought he looked really good in those moments, but beyond that, I have my concerns. And he's lucky that Kobe White will probably be injured and maybe not starting the season because I, I don't know if he would have been in the rotation otherwise. But uh, yeah, look, we'll see only only two summer league games thus far, but I, I kind of disagree on Simonovic, to be honest with you. I've actually been quite impressed with how he's played. Like, the small fundamental sides of his game, like we'll obviously find out if he's a power forward or a center, but like I, I love the way he's going about screening guys. Like you talked about Devon Dotson being the one guy that can maybe make some stuff happen in the half court, but Simonovic has been a good like pick and roll partner with him. And I've liked what he's done from a screening point of view. I've liked his general awareness on both sides of the ball. He's even sort of showcased his ability to maybe, um, you know, lead a break, let's say with um, from a ball handling point of view. So you know, I'm not sitting here saying Simonovic is going to play 25 minutes a game, but I think there's a chance here that he and Tony Bradley will sort of be competing for those backup center minutes. And, you know, depending on what they, they do with power forward, and I'm kind of hoping that it's uh, Paul, Paul Millsap, or if it's not Paul Millsap, then maybe you can get a sign and trade done. You can bring in like Maxi Kaliber or something like that. Like that would be nice, but I don't know. I kind of like Simonovic more now after I've seen him than you know him being this mythical second round guy that I hadn't necessarily watched much from abroad. So uh, I like what I've seen from Simonovic, and I liked what I saw from Patrick Williams as well. The minute he sort of stopped trying to be the ISO guy off the bounce and was just getting to his usual spots and you know operating from those areas where he's more comfortable. And the minute he started doing that in that second half, uh, we saw a better version of Patrick Williams. So. Uh, I've actually enjoyed watching the Bulls again, watching them at Summer League. It's, it's been quite encouraging. Go ahead, Let me alleviate your concerns on uh, I.O. Uh, he's fantastic in the half court off the pick and roll. As long as the pick and roll remains a staple of any uh, NBA offense, uh, he'll be fine. So I know you, you, You're an Illinois fan, right? We're, well, yes, I, I am. Can't, I can't trust you. <laughs> your you're point? extremely biased. I mean, you're already very I.O. Biased, biased, so I can't, I can't, I can't take you seriously. You ever, you ever heard Jay Pat, Jay, uh, Jay Pat, Jason Pat, you ever hear him? He's yeah, got the same review. Man. Yes, he's got the same review of IO as I do. So uh, when we get to, we agree together, it's true. usually 100% right. But I, I do want to go back to Simonovich because I thought he's – yeah, Doug, I'm a little concerned. Like I was quasi-impressed. Like I, I think he belongs out there. He looks like uh, – I thought he played pretty well defensively for the most part in terms of being in the right position and – not being afraid to take contact. Oh, there was I, I like was, a stretch where he got like dunked on like three straight plays because yeah, he just that, couldn't move too oh, Come on. That's what they drives me nuts. So he got dunked on. Well, at least, yes. Yes. But he no, could he have got been dunked like on because average. he was He could have been like Denny Average last year and like ducked into the, the first row as Zach dunks at home so he doesn't get in the picture. I'd rather have a guy get dunked on than 
No, he, he didn't stayed. get dunked on contesting. He got dunked on because he was just standing there and couldn't jump. Like, <laughs> like no, literally, like he was just completely unaware of what was happening, and a guy like just dove in from out of nowhere. He so I'll put the uh, let me put it this way because uh, Samanovic actually has very good summer league stats. Like his his like points num like all the stats are actually really good. So and and I agree kind of with what you said, Mark, in terms of him looking a little heady in the way he played. So my concerns are one, he just looks small, he looks weak. His uh, defense was, I thought, just tragically bad. And then he he just was playing like, like at Cooper. the rim. You know, when he was when he was like jumping to get rebounds or other stuff, it's like it didn't seem like he could get above the rim at all. And, you know, just for a big man, I think that's like really problematic. I think he's going to be way too weak to play center. I don't think he has the athleticism to, to defend fours. And like skill wise, it just seemed like most of the stuff he was getting was kind of like just roll man towards the basket, open shots, you know, maybe an offensive put back. Like it, so his, his, his stats were good. And maybe that's fine. Maybe you know, like whatever. It's two summer league games, but he he didn't strike me as a guy who's like I'm like wow this guy's good. like just physically he just didn't look like he had uh, I think the the stuff you need to me. But I uh, I hope that I will be proven wrong and looking like an idiot in uh, it's know, six months. It's it's quite it's possible. possible. Frederick would know. Yeah, Frederick would know. I I do not have an 86 <laughs> percent correction uh, or uh, what is it 93. percent Correct, correct rate of prediction. Correct rate, yeah. Northeast yeah. Uh, Idaho. Hey, uh, before I forget, anybody want go watch the movie Vegas Vacation. Simonovich looks exactly like Chevy Chase's son in that movie. <laughs> Anyhow, thanks for that. <laughs> Deep insight. That what Rusty? Isn't Rusty like a redhead? What are you talking about? Hey, well, you know, for some reason, all the vacation movies they were all portrayed by different actors. Yeah, different Rustys. And specifically, go, rusty. Yeah, just go look at Vegas Vacation, that movie. You can probably find it on YouTube and try to find Rusty. He, he's exactly he, – that's Simonovich. It's the same guy. He somehow <laughs> transported time from 97 to the now and playing in the NBA. Anyhow. Well, look, it's been a while since I've seen that particular movie, but from memory or like in my mind's eye, I cannot see the comparison at, at all. But um, okay, sure, <laughs> whatever you say, Frederick. But um, look, well, let's call it here. Um, I know you're on a uh, bit of a time limit here, Frederick. And to be fair, I don't even know what more to talk about. You've kind of thrown me for a loop with all of this uh, Christmas vacation or Vegas, whatever, whatever. Which one was it? Vegas I've, vacation. I've, I've, I've just looked it up now, and I do not see this. <laughs> <laughs> what is he talking about? All right, let me let me find I, I, a couple. I just, I just I'm going to tweet out this evening. I'm going to tweet out this evening. Uh, Rusty he's and got Vegas like vacation. wavy hair in this this like this thing. <laughs> they look like the exact same guy. I'm telling you. And another uh, uh, Vegas vacation is also uh, good for a Chicago area actress in that movie. What is her name? The girl who plays the daughter. Very uh, great performance. Okay, thanks for that. Anyhow, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, let's talk about. Uh, there's, there's one thing I do want to bring up though, Mark. Before we before we go again, okay. Doug, could you talk about this? Like, I still think it's important that we as a fan base come together and just put all the negativity behind us and focus on the here and now and going forward. All the negativity uh, brought at the start of the show, we should put behind us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I just don't think it's agree with this assessment. We should not have Fred be on the show to be negative <laughs> at the start of the show. I mean, there's nothing to be negative about. The Bulls renounced the rights to Denzel Valentine. So why would anyone be negative right now? All right. I I, got to be negative about that. (laughs) Or or I should say, everyone's able to applaud that. 
And I'm like, I don't even know why we did that. Mark, you're, maybe I'm missing something, but we get no, no value out of this, right? Like the rights don't cost us anything. It doesn't take up a roster spot. It doesn't take, take up any cap room. It doesn't count as an exception or anything. It doesn't hurt Denzel. Denzel doesn't get anything out of it. He could just sign anywhere, anyway, regardless. No, the only thing, the the only thing that happens... To Ramina. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. The, only, that's the it. only thing that happens by us renouncing his rights is we can no longer include him in a sign-in trade if we wanted to to match salary somewhere, which was like an option. If you needed to get like $5 million, you could have signed Denzel to a, in a sign-in trade to match $5 million of contracts if he didn't go anywhere else. And that, that would be like a piece of flexibility that might come in handy to, to make a move later, and that's gone. But that's the only thing that changed is we gave up this piece of flexibility for no reason whatsoever. Well, it removes his cap hold, I suppose. Like, you, you get rid of his $5 million cap hold, cap hold off the book. But, I mean, they're they're an above the cap team, so it doesn't necessarily matter too much. It doesn't matter towards the luxury tax or anything. Yeah, they're, they're still under it. Yeah, I, I take your point. But uh, look, Doug, I was trying to make, I was trying to give us an example where we'd all come together and feel buoyant about things. But it's, <laughs> all right, I apologize. Jeez, yeah, I, you brought up a great point, though. Let me just step in and say this. There's nothing oh, more pathetic over the past year than the torrent of people. I swear to God, I think the yeah, Valentine negative. 8 is almost... Yeah, weren't, we, weren't you bringing the fan base together, Fred? Well, just hold on like, a second. I, I, I want to get this off my chest because it bothers me. There's nothing more pathetic than watching people tweet trying to impress Ramina. Hey, look at me. Look at me. Look at... I can rip on Valentine. Look at... Don't you love me? It's so pathetic and it's irritating. And I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing. I'd say almost 95% of the hate on Valentine is driven by... Ramina and dopes trying to impress her and earn her love. It's not going to work. She doesn't give a darn about you. Um, Doug, what do you think? I don't even know how to provide analysis on that. You know this is true. You know I'm just going to let it go. No, it's, I, I, it's... I don't really follow in the same Twitter crowd, apparently. Um, Are you kidding me? I've just been drowning in a sea of uh, Denzel Valentine jokes. Since the I mean, it could I wonder why. be the case. I wonder it could be the case, why. Fred, that people just think Denzel Valentine's not that good as well. Well, yes, that that's fine, but you don't have to continually bring it up uh, anytime just to, you know, court Ramina. It's just irritating. I mean, I, I bring it up just to, to watch you squirm, so. As do I. Um, yeah, I've <laughs> no, never I once thought about Ramina. There's, 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 there's like, there's how much there's she's two, irritated me over the past year. There's, there's two yeah, groups of people. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll let her know, Frederick, that it's it's disappointing you quite quite a lot. I, I'm, I doubt she'll I doubt she'll listen to me, but many times. Well, there you go. She does. She's a fine. She's a very friendly, nice person. But her Valentine aide has created this uh, tsunami of dopes trying to impress her, and it makes it nauseates me. Let me well, give does, some does that mean everybody. you want to impress? Does that her? mean send some flowers? Don't on, don't, on the uh, plus send side, more Valentine tweets. On the plus side, then, do people impress her by liking Zach Levine? Maybe we're also getting some positive value out of this. Well, there's plenty of that, too, I'm sure. It's a double-sided coin for these dopes. But, you know, <laughs> like, it's just uh, it's irritating. and it doesn't, do it, it doesn't do anybody any good. If you think you're courting favor with her, you're not. She doesn't care about you. And uh, more importantly, you're irritating me because I'm just tired of reading val- negative Valentine tweets. It's a good this suit, is the man. most uncomfortable analysis I've ever given. <laughs> Well, what a, what a fantastic episode of Balls HQ this has been. Um, I I definitely don't regret this decision in welcoming you know Frederick on the podcast. <laughs> That's how, what a way! I, to I'll end come it back as well. on another show if you need to get need to get. Yeah, thank you, Doug. <laughs>
Peggy Doug. I might actually scrap this one and just not put it out there, to be honest with you. We should get Ramina on the next one, just so I can talk to her about this. Look, nonetheless, despite this being a painful episode in in some senses, um, and in others, not necessarily, um, I'm referring to when I'm speaking directly to Doug versus you, Fred, but nonetheless, I've appreciated you both uh, bringing the big red bus past Bulls HQ. I appreciate you guys jumping on. Tell the listeners where they can find you online, whether it's your Twitter account, whether it's the podcast, whatever it may be. Tell people where they can uh, where they can hit you up. Well, most importantly, it's the the big red bus. You can find us. Uh, we're having a contest, sending a iconic image of Taj Gibson dunking on Wade. So, if you want to win that picture, email me at credfred at gmail.com. That's s e e r e d f r e d at gmail.com. Um, you can also find us, um, Doug. Where else can you find us? Uh, Chicago Bullseye for me. And- Bulls beat for you. Where else can you find this? On Twitter? <laughs> Nowhere meaningful. I, I, I think anyone who listens to this show knows where to find the three of us. I want to know I'm the not. guy who, who listens to Mark but hasn't listened to our show. It, it kind of seems kind of weird. Maybe they exist. I mean, there's probably hundreds of them, but I, I think like they, they're aware of it. I don't think we're, we're, we're hidden. Like, uh, if, you're, if you're in the Bulls pod sphere, you probably know of uh, whatever, all, all like 30 of us now. Cool I appreciate you, though, giving us the opportunity to wax poetic about uh, our wares, and it's been great. The Two Legends and you, Mark, very good show. Really had a good time. Wow, that's great to hear. I mean, the people, you know, if there were a refuge that just listened to Bulls HQ, that didn't listen to Big Red Bus and, you know, the other assortment of podcasts that you guys have, then they are, they're most certainly unsubscribing from this show at, the, at this point, yeah, I would imagine. So, so based on how... I can't imagine anyone. That's why I didn't say where you could find me. Anyone who just did this show, <laughs> they're not looking. They're, they're well, looking. definitely not after this performance. But uh, again, thank you, boys, for both coming on. I appreciate it. Let's do it again sometime. Maybe, probably not. Maybe. We'll, we'll see. But appreciate you coming on, Bulls fans, whilst you're out there following Fred and Doug online, assuming you want to do that based on their responses. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter too, at MK Hoops. Follow the show too as well, at Bulls HQ Pod. If you want to be part of the Bulls HQ Discord, Discord. And why wouldn't you, especially now that we're in summer league mode, come shoot me a DM on Twitter. I'll also drop the invite link in the description of this episode of the podcast. Um, but that just about does it of this episode of Bulls HQ. We'll hopefully be back very soon discussing the latest on Larry Markin, Summer League, and hopefully the Bulls are sort of headed towards the uh, the finals here in Summer League. But uh, we'll probably be back at, next week at some stage, assuming um, some, some big notable news doesn't break sooner. But I uh, appreciate you tuning into this episode of Bulls HQ. Speak soon, Bulls fans. Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about Black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now, they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.